Hello and welcome to episode number 96 of the Audio Podcast with the boys, Jason and Alex Von Cannell. I'm back, baby. I'm back. I've uh, actually been able to fit it in this week, which has been nice. And uh, something a little bit wild happened on the way up, which I think is all connected to a whole bunch of things that have happened to me lately. And I think someone's out right. to get me. Okay. So on the way up here, I stopped at the service station to get some fuel. And as I'm filling up fuel, a you know butcher bird, so those little black and white yeah. birds, super aggressive, suit me and tried to rip my eye out. Right. Like literally, like I'm I'm facing the the meter with my uh, things. My right hand was holding the fuel pump. I'm like watching the meter. It's literally flown from behind me. I felt something touch the back of my head. So it must have been one of its claws. And I've just just at the last minute closed my eyes and I've literally felt its other claw reach around and scratch my eyelid, and it's like flown off. Tried to rip my eye out. Your face does look like a bird's nest of a weaker bird. <laughs> Thanks. So it could be that. Uh, perhaps. Could be. But I feel like someone's out to get me at the moment, and it's either Mother Nature, which might be because I do landscaping now, so I'm doing a lot of you know, cutting grass. God's work. Cutting down trees, like mm. destruction of Mother Nature. Like, literally, I had... There was a, a, a dead tree stump at work, uh, not this week, but the week before, that I was trying to pull out because it was all loose mm. and it was just in the garden trying to pull it out. Anyway, I'm rocking it back and forth. I've gone to pull it back, pull it up, and a fucking snake pokes out from underneath it. Don't know what it was. Not hanging around to find out. Right. That, that stump's still in there. I'll get it next week, maybe. Yeah. So there's butcher bird trying to take me out my eye. There's a snake trying to bite my hands. I've had three ticks in the last two weeks. Oof. Yeah, like just grass Did you ticks. let them get deep? Uh, one got deep, <laughs> so this is fucked, right? Not only are they out to get me, but it's like physically and psychologically at the same time. Because you know ticks, they uh, you'll often find them in like warm, moist areas, right? Which is your entire body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, so one of them I found in my armpit. Yep. Fair enough. One was actually on my shoulder. That was one that hadn't really gone in yet because yep. um, obviously too too staunch. Yeah, crawling around trying to find a good spot. The third one. Guess what the third one was? Ball bag. Similar, Gooch. similar area. Taint. But not quite. Freckle. Mm-mm. Perineum. No. Where? It's in my undergut. Oh. Yeah, my undergut. So if you guys don't know what an undergut is, when you're sitting down and your gut hangs over and there's like a little crease underneath it, that's my undergut. So I got fat shamed by nature too while they were at it. So psychologically trying to fuck with me as well. Yeah. Just when you think you're starting to get into better shape and then your dick goes and jabs itself into your undergut. Thinking like, oh, this is a nice warm, moist place. It's very dark in here. I'll never get found. And there's zero line of sight between yeah. me and, and the uh, yeah, what a, what a and the host. So yeah, they're like three ticks, uh, potential snake encounter, butcher bird trying to rip my eye out. Just went, just thought I was buying chicken nuggets out of the Bay Marie at the servo. You'd have a little snacky poo on the way up here. There's your mistake right there. Well, yeah, thought, thought they were chicken nuggets. No. Macaroni and cheese balls. Dressed up like chicken nuggets. <laughs> Everything's out to get me at the moment. So it's either Mother Nature. It's not, it's not any of that. I can tell exactly what it is. What is it? That's life choices. You got attacked by nature. After you selected to work in nature, I'm not attacked by nature. I do not work with nature. Doesn't explain the butcher you bird on the server. You ran the gauntlet. You 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 gambled with a servo bay marie. You get Petra from the service <laughs> station. That's it. Nothing else. No, no, Maybe no. a drink. You a get, canned you drink. You get fuel. 
You get fuel. Yeah, fuel. Fuel for your car. Fuel for the big dog. <laughs> no, That's why no, I've got no. this sugar-free Garana thing because it's Saturday afternoon and Daddy's a little tired <laughs> after the week that he's had. Well, I'm a little tired too because mm-hmm. I um had my birthday lunch oh, on yeah, happy Thursday. Birthday, Thank you, and got absolutely sharp faced, mm-hmm. which is unlike me. But we just had. I was just with the boys and got on the got on the red wines and. Mm-hmm. Didn't stop, but it was good. I was in bed by 6 p.m. Yeah, but what happened before you went to bed? So when Alex saying he was sharp-faced, like he was, he was sharp-faced. Because it's, it's not like me. I'm, I'm like a one or two drink buzz. Yeah. You had like five bottles of red wine. Yeah. And... I he, couldn't see anymore. Yeah. Well, you FaceTime called me on the way home. You remember that? Yeah, I don't know how I could see the... Right. So... I, I knew that you were pissed when, as you were speaking... I can't remember what we were talking about... A lot of it was just garbage. <laughs> Can imagine. But at some point, you referred to yourself as being 95 kilos. And I was like, oh, this guy's maggot. <laughs> like, he's gone. I was like, what did you say? And you're like, oh, oh. like, you just said you were 95 kilos. So maybe I'd gone back in time. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Yeah, three years back in time. Maybe you drank yourself into the past. But I ended up finding one of those... Because um, I walked from Milton to St. Lucia, mm. which is... You sound like you could use a walk. Yeah, yeah. I've got shin splints today. <laughs> But I, um, I've also got some other wounds too because I ended up finding one of those electric scooters. Had to like downloaded the app, mm-hmm. had it all set up, and um, only had one incident on it. But it was yeah, effectively going down a hill, speed wobbles, drop the front wheel to the to the uh, the edge of the the oh the on the pathway yeah yeah and and there was cars everywhere and they would have seen this hundred and five kilo guy <laughs> roll three or four times. <laughs> So you said you got some bruises, right? Uh, I've got well, the yeah. bruises you can't see, but the grazes you can. Yeah, yeah, right. and you want to like show. No, I can't. I can't get it out. I yeah. can't get it out. But Fair enough. I'm in a bit. I'm in a bit of pain. I'm in a bit of pain. Like, I feel. Yeah. I can feel it because that's what thirty six feels like, man. Thirty six, hundred five kilos. You're not supposed to be hitting the ground at pace. <laughs> Doing it on a downhill section of scooter. <laughs> it's just not supposed <laughs> to be that way. But at least I can imagine. When you hit the ground, you would have been very relaxed. Your body would have been very floppy. Oh, yeah. Which they do say is, is way better for you. Uh, because su- if you tense up is when you break stuff. I'm surprised I didn't break anything because I had... Uh, not on myself, obviously. You I'm mean h- break the heart. world? No, what like... You crash like no, grass. It was grass. But I had, like, my glasses in a glasses case mm. latched onto my, my belt loop yeah. on the side that I hit. Yeah, survived. Wasn't there a tsunami in the Philippines like three hours later? (laughs) Well, they say a butterfly flaps its wings and I hit the deck. (laughs) (laughs) It was good. Um, Speaking of which, so I actually owe you something because you won a couple of bets. Okay. Um, And by the sounds of it, you could use coffee. And I've got a black coffee can here somewhere, if I can get it out. So there you go. Thank you. What's this one for? I've forgotten what this one's for. That's because Labor won the election. So we had we bet a black coffee can. I th- said that the Liberals would win the election, and you said Labor would. And so that black oh, coffee yeah, can yeah. is your winnings. Yeah. So congratulations, mate. Cheers. Cheers to that. Uh, we can we can talk about that today. Mm. Also, if anyone who wants to stick around for a little bit later on, I've got something for Conspiracy Corner for later too. Ooh, nice. Uh, and also, you won this as well, which I have to present to you on the podcast so there's video proof of it. So Alex and I had a bet the other weekend, which in hindsight for me was a really dumb time to do it. No, it wasn't a dumb time. It was a dumb bet. It's always going to be a dumb bet. I'll always be... I'll, 
I'll always win that bet. Maybe. Thank you. We could do it again sometime later in the year. That is great. And if if Suntory wants to sponsor us, uh, this is one of my favorite whiskeys ever. It's actually not that expensive. $67 of Dan Murphy's $67. And it is is up there with like, because like that Lark is... Um, from Tasmania is amazing. Yep. That's like $180. Yeah, yeah. You get a similar experience out of mm. that, so I can highly recommend that. Yeah, I was trying to find you a two-liter bottle of LA Ice to mix it with, but I couldn't find you one. Yeah. Um, so we had a bet the other weekend, which was Magic Round uh, on the NRL. So it's probably two, three weeks ago now. Yeah. And essentially what the bet was, was who out of the two of us, using our investment strategies, could make more money in three days, so Friday night to Sunday night, out of $50. And my investment strategy was sports bet and betting on the NRL, and your investment strategy was the crypto market. Yeah. Which had tanked just prior. Hard. (laughs) Hard out. Yeah. So... Is that why you felt confident? No... Honestly, I felt confident because in the weeks prior, I'd gone really well on the punt. <laughs> so I was coming in with good form. Yeah. I had yeah. good form. The problem was, I was talking shit at you about it pre-bet uh, without thinking that it was magic round for the NRL. Now, the reason why that's significant is, well, there's, there was two main reasons. Number one, we had cyclonic conditions up here for the whole weekend. <laughs> yeah. So... Normally, if I if I bet on games, I normally do like same game multis, and this is my my system. I pick a couple of anytime try scorers that I think are sure things. Everything's a sure thing when you punt. I usually pick the line. So, do you know what, what picking the line is? No. So let's say you've got a game where you've got the favorite and you've got the underdog, right? And the favorite is a massive favorite. What the line will be will be so. It'll, it might be the favorite to win if you take, say, 15 points off their score. Oh, so, so it you, gives you the other team like a 15 point head start. Right, right, right. So you can bet minus on the favorite or plus on the underdog, but it'll usually pay $1.90 either way, whichever way you go. Okay. So you pick the line. So you usually go line, a couple of anytime try scorers. Uh, As a multi? Yeah. Yeah. First team to get to <laughs> 20 points. Yeah, okay. And usually a good thing that actually boosts up your odds way more than you'd expect, especially in a game like the NRL, is to bet neither team to score 40 points or more because it hasn't really happened that much this year. So anyway, the problem with Magic Round, like cyclonic conditions, uh, everyone was looking at building arcs that weekend to get out of here. And being Magic Round, every single game was in Brisbane. So all of a sudden, every game had no home team advantage. So one of the other things that makes punting a little bit easier is oftentimes the home team does have an advantage. They're not travelling. Yep. Their crowd puts pressure on the referees to give them penalties, all that sort of stuff. So all those intangibles are out the window. So for me, really dumb decision and well played to you and hence your uh, bottle of whiskey. Well, my critique of your strategy, mm. I, I would never have, A, I would never gamble. Because I don't, because I like to make money for a start. Mm-hmm. Step one. Um, step two, why did you go multis? Like, wouldn't I wouldn't didn't it, on everything. But wouldn't it have made more sense to put a cert, like a few bets on completely different things to hedge? I did do that. What really screwed me over, because I, I was up on Friday night, and then Saturday, I can't remember what was happening, but it, it was, Saturday was busy at home with kids, we're going somewhere. So I put a couple of bets on the Storm game 
before we went out. So I put them on in the afternoon. And an hour before the Storm game kicked off, their halfback, Jerome Hughes, got ruled out, injured. Mm. Which screwed me on those bets. I, I mean, they probably they, they probably wouldn't have gone up anyway, sure. but it made it a hell of a lot harder because he's really probably the most important player on that team. But we even, even that, though, I would have thought... Because the money's not really the concern. It was winning the bet. So yeah. wouldn't... Wouldn't you have just picked... If it was me, I would have just picked a bunch of favourites. Easy stuff. Because even if you're only going to make a 10 or 20% uptick, mm. that's a pretty strong result compared to just... Like, it, when you kept on saying the multi, every line, I just see the goal getting smaller yeah, and smaller well, I was and smaller up, and smaller. I was up 20% on Friday night. Yeah. And then I was down to zero by Sunday. Right. Because I had put some of those safer bets on particularly on that Storm game. So I, I had put a couple of bets on the Storm game, which which were just one anytime try scorer. Yeah. Paying like $3 or something like that. So putting $10 on it to triple your money. Yeah. Which they were bets which going off the Storm's game plan when Jerome Hughes plays right. had a much greater chance of sure. coming up. Now, with, But what was the Storm paying to win? Uh, they were the underdogs that weekend. Okay. So because they were playing the Panthers. So anyway... I lost. Long, long story short, I lost. And but what? Uh, even game. another fundamental that, like, why didn't you ever keep any profit? So you're twenty percent up. You could yeah. have at least kept the twenty and rolled the hundred again. Yeah. Well, I, I was rolling it. I was investing, bro. I was trying <laughs> yeah, to win a competition. All right. So I'll tell you what. <laughs> So and you, you you went to zero. So you got the worst possible result yeah. that you could get. Okay. So what I did. I got a minus 100% return on investment yeah. for the weekend. My, mine was actually harder to do, uh, only because my onboard, it's, I wanted to get, because of this phone debacle, I couldn't access two of my <coughs> exchanges that I was right. going to use because mm-hmm. they, they have my Google Authenticator code on it. Yeah. And now to reset from my phone, I don't know how I'm getting in there. But anyway, <laughs> so I had to onboard the money to CoinSpot, mm-hmm. which takes a 1% clip. Then I had to buy, I just bought US Tether yep. on there. So it was a stable coin, mm-hmm. which I then sent to Binance because Binance has got different uh, different features that yeah. CoinSpot doesn't have. And then I put it, I, I put the, now it's $33. Mm. Uh, I sold half the $33 for um, uni tokens. Mm. Yeah. And then I put the, like the $15 of 15 US Tether and the uh, uni tokens into a liquidity pool, mm-hmm. knowing that there's going to be some upwards movement because we've just gone down rock yeah, bottom. Yeah, exactly. And the, the crypto market had just tanked like that. Week. The big, the massive correction, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I knew that any bounce, like I knew like a 1% bounce because it was in a liquidity pool and people are going to get on it. it, it the, yeah. the way it works, it's just going to yield me dividends. Yeah. And I basically doubled tripled hmm. my money in yeah. that time. So I cleared like 200 US dollars and that was like, in three days. See, that was like my thought process too yeah. to go a little bit harder on some of the multis. Because if I just bet favourites, if I was putting like say 20 bucks on a game with a favourite paying a dollar you you're making $10. Yeah. But I knew that because crypto had tanked so hard, there was opportunity there for you to get exponential growth rather yeah. than just... You know, you putting 50 in and staking it for the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know and I, mean? I did think that I was going to do that. I thought, no, I'll do the riskier one. Yeah. Because I've only got three days to, to make a difference. But yeah. I, always, I was always thinking in the back of my head. And the other beauty too is 
if you are staking or even in a liquidity pool, you can pull out. Like yeah. it, it's and it's the chances of it going to zero or nothing. Yeah, that's yeah. what I hate about gambling. Yeah, so at exactly. least the stuff that I do never goes to zero. Yeah. Okay, but but unless it's buy- Luna. Yeah, but I wouldn't be in Luna. Yeah, yeah, right. Because that's that's a gamble, right? Yeah, and yeah. even in crypto markets, I'm not a gambler, mm-hmm. right? So um, it was funny though. I had a friend reach out and say, "Hey, this friend of mine, she wants to get into crypto. Mm-hmm. What what are the lessons?" And I'm like, "Right, five lessons. Um, uh, stick to the big dogs. Mm-hmm. If you can't explain what the thing does, don't buy it." Yeah, that's if, good advice for anything really yeah, in life. If you're getting if you're getting your advice from a YouTube video with lots of graphics on it, don't. Yeah, get it from the audio podcast. Yeah, because <laughs> um, we don't have graphics. But the good thing was, she's like, oh, so should I just buy a Bitcoin and Ether spread? And I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, finally, finally. Yeah. Because in the previous weeks, I'm like, oh, there's this other, there's this coin named after Elon Musk's uncle's best friend's cat's goldfish. Mm. And they, they reckon that's going to pump. I'm like, Grr. But anyway, Mate, so... What's, what's that worth at the moment? It's worth nothing. <laughs> a lot of them have gone to absolute zero yeah. right now. But um, no, so uh, if you want to make money, make mm-hmm. money. If you want to um, gamble it, yeah. um, you're never going to get rich make, uh, uh, gambling. But speaking of gambling, I heard of a black... No, roulette technique. Yeah, yeah. You're, Did you I send me the video? Yeah. So the the I'd like to try it one day. I'd like to try it too. And but you could just do it in small amounts. Like he used a grand. You could do it with a hundred bucks and do the same thing if you want just to try the theory out. So the theory is pick a colour, whether it be red or black, yeah. and bet a small so let bet a tenth of whatever you your your total amount that you're willing to lose mm-hmm. at a time. And if you lose yeah. double the amount. Yeah. So if you, let's say we're doing $10 bets mm-hmm. and you lose, you put 20 next. Yeah. Because with and the then way if you the roulette again, works, if, if you, you lose again, on, you're going to put 40. Yeah. Because if you bet, so anyone who hasn't played roulette before, if you bet on red or black, it will double your money if you win. Mm. So if you put money down and it comes up the other one, you lose it all. But if you put it down and it comes up as a winner, you'll double your money. So the theory is that, yeah, if you bet the small amount, every time you win, obviously you, you increase your stack. Every time you lose, you just double your next bet and you always bet on the same color. Yeah. Because of, you know... Statistical... Um... Yeah. So it is it is statistically extremely unlikely that you will have the same color come up more than six or seven times in a row. So the theory is if you've in got... In the guy's video, we had eight. Yeah. yeah that he right. won. But yeah, row, there was yeah. eight wins in a row. So yeah. he was very fortunate with that. But... Yeah, it was really interesting because the video basically shows him using $1,000 and he started with $15 bets and he used the system and his goal was to make $1,000 profit mm. and he ended up getting it. So it would be really like interesting two and to try and a half hours out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to try it. I think that's that's interesting. Mm. And I, I, I like it how you use, he used one of those digital ones as opposed to like having that person sitting there looking at you going, yeah. really? Yeah. <laughs> Is yeah. this what we're doing? Yeah. Because that would be... That'd be but, yeah, exactly. So yeah, um, and when if you are going to make bets, like I do, you always win them because I'm smart and I make smart bets. Well, see, funnily enough, you say he always bets the under. You say that you always bet like smart, and you only bet things that you can win. Well, for a start, if you if I didn't tell you about that black can, you never would have collected because <laughs> you just forgot about it. But speaking of which, there was another bet that we'd put on last year, and for life, me, I cannot remember what it was. 
Because I remember it was around the same time that we put this one on. It must have been late last year. I've got no idea what the bet was. And I've got no idea. So if you guys can remember do, it. Do you, I reckon it's something around mandates. Maybe. Yeah. That's what, that's what we need. We need an app. We need an app that records the bet mm. in time, stakes the coins. Yeah. That'd be so handy if you just yeah. had some sort of app. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple of uh, sort of, not, maybe they're only funny to me because I'm his dad, but a couple of funny Nate things that have happened in the last couple right. of weeks. So first and foremost, uh, just a really quick thing. I had a, a friend of mine who's pregnant at the moment. So this will be her first kid. She put a post up on Instagram the other day and it was of her sitting there and her cat was like right in her face. And she was like, oh, you know, said some of lines of like, oh, you know, personal space, much. And I messaged her and I've gone, oh, you think you have no personal space now? And she's gone, done the whole, oh, stop, like, don't you talk. Because obviously that's the sort of thing that anyone who's about to have kids, everyone who has kids says that to them. And you're like, oh, whatever. So then anyway, I sent her a picture. And I'm like, uh, so this is Nate standing inside my undies while I'm taking a shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Checkmate. Uh which, what, what, the, the photo was actually an older photo, it was like a few weeks old, and then funnily enough, the next day, Nate did it again. So I took a fresh photo and sent her the new one the next day too. So that was fun. Isn't uh, she lucky to receive that kind of content? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's uh, that's the premium subscribers <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. on our Patreon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if there's a market in that, you guys... Yeah. Are... Send Bitcoin to the address that, that's on there. I'll yeah. keep checking that. There's no funds there. Yeah. Now, another thing too, so remember, you guys would have remembered the amount of times I've talked about this on the pod. Uh when Nate doesn't want to sleep, which is usually when he's sick now, like now he's actually pretty good at sleeping, but usually when he's sick, he just still won't sleep. Our go-to is taking him for a drive around the car. Yep. And a few weeks ago, we were all pretty sick. This should be the go-to. Well, that's my go-to. Be a man. <laughs> yeah. Um, child services will come take him off me and I'll sleep way better. <laughs> um, but Win-win. Yeah. But, yeah, it's cheaper. Yeah. It's way cheaper. So, yeah, we, anyway, we throw him in the car because for him, the car just knocks him out. Mm. So, but the problem was we had had to do it so many times lately because it wasn't even when he was sick, but it was things like when, now that you've got two kids, when Jake doesn't sleep and he's crying or screaming or something like that, it wakes Nate up. So it's this nightmare thing of uh, Amanda will be trying to put Jake to sleep and... Nate will be jealous that Jake's getting all the time with Amanda. So he tries to like steamroll his way into the room, like banging on the doors and shit, which then keeps Jake awake, which then obviously Nate's not getting what he wants, which is mum. Yep. And he doesn't realise he's making it worse. So then like for like the last couple of weeks, I've just been like grabbing Nate, throwing him in the car, taking him out. So Amanda can get Jake to sleep, he'll fall asleep in the car. That's all good. But... The problem is we've had we've done it so many times. The problem is that the fuel's two dollars twenty a litre. Number, number one, it is a fucking expensive way to yeah. get your kids to go to sleep. Yeah, like inflation's real. Yeah, but number two, we've been doing it so much lately that I think Nate is convinced that I work like a night shift job where I just drive around and eat fast food. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, the other night, for the first time in ages, I was going out at night time to catch up with a friend of mine, and. Normally when you like leave the house, Nate gets like a little upset because mm. he wants to go outside and like you're obviously going to go and do something fun. So I want to come. Yeah. That's his uh, attitude towards it. But then see it the other night, it's like, I don't know, quarter past seven or something like that. Nate's just sitting there and I'm like, all right, cool. I'll see you later. And he's just like, bye daddy. Like was just fine with it because he's, I feel like he's convinced 
that every night when he goes to sleep, I just go and jump in my car and drive around places and eat fast food. Isn't that a great scam to have him believe? Well, is it? Yeah, man. Just how am I going to how am I going to use that? Take up smoking and then just walk outside. Just hey, bro. <laughs> hey, Amanda knows what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't really have to lie to Nate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that, that's a little bit interesting. And we've got one other thing too, which there's this r- sort of running theme through my life at the moment. And I think a lot of it comes down to parenting. A lot of it comes down to some other things that have happened in the world, which is this theme of like unintended consequences. So one of the, th- <laughs> one of the things that has occurred a lot lately is Nate's at an age now where he's starting to get really independent. So they sort of say that around that like two to three age is where they start um, trying to break away from you and become their own little person. Mm-hmm. So they want to do things like dress themselves, pick what they wear. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't want to hold hands with you across the road. They don't want to be carried everywhere, all that sort of stuff. So certain things way easier because he'll just be happy to cruise around with you now. Um, but one of the problems is that he's now doing the thing where he wants to pick what he wears all the time, which is great, except for when it's like, <clears throat> he'll be wearing a shirt with a dog on it, which he loves, but it's freezing cold. And you're like, hey, do you want to like, put a jumper on, mate? And he's like, no, dog. And it's like, yeah, you'll still be wearing the dog shirt, but we're just going to put the jumper over the top. No, dog, we'll like, go off over it. We'll freeze to death before he will... Fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Fashion is pain, right? Yeah. So Amanda devised this plan, which is she spilt water on him. And was like, oh, your shirt's wet. <laughs> We're going to take your shirt off. <laughs> Which worked. It was golden, right? Golden. He takes the shirt straight off. New shirt on, jumper on. Everything's all good. So she did it again a few days later when it was also pulling the same shit. Different shirt. Had a shark on it this time. Yeah. And it worked to a T. But now, unintended consequence, if ever his shirt gets wet, oh, new shirt. It's coming straight off. Now that the kid's getting chained fucking three times a day. <laughs> It's so fucking annoying now. That's funny. That yeah. is, that's that's a funny thing that you need to balance. It's one of those things, it's like for me, having like being a parent to a toddler who's trying to figure out the way the world works, you make the same mistakes with them as what programmers do when they're programming computers. Cause you know how when we speak, we'll use things like sarcasm or yeah. nuance or whatever. Whereas when you program into a computer, it does verbatim what you've said. Yeah. And oftentimes that has unintended consequences as well with like programmers. That's what we're sort of dealing with now with Nate. And it's really, it's funny. It's tricky at the same time because you're always thinking of like, what's the thing that I could say right now to make this situation better? But then you've got to think now three steps ahead of... Yeah, what, how what's this, the long term? That's yeah. right. How is this going to be a problem in the future? It's so, funny because I was talking to dad today because he looked after Nate on yeah. Friday. And yeah. he said like he's got so many more words now that... Than before, and you, mm. you've got to start being careful what you say around him. Yeah. And I just started rubbing my hands together. I'm going to have Nate come home going, Pap smear, Pap smear, Pap well, smear. Well, do, you know, do you know what the word was that he ended up saying a lot that afternoon when I went to pick him up? What? Monkeypox. <laughs> <laughs> because monkeypox came up in conversation. And he just decided that that would be a fun word. So he's like, monkeypox. Which is pretty cute. That is cute. Yeah, that is cute, and I mean that's the they're the hot button topics of the uh, absolutely of the time. So uh, should yet, we, should yet, we... yet another yet another um, disease effectively manufactured in the exact same place the last one was, um, and but literally they came out and told us that 
the their genome sequencing it for safety. So we should all be happy, even though monkeypox has been around for ages in Africa, and they could have gone there whenever they wanted to get it. Yeah. But no, they just waited for it to go through the West. So obviously the Western variant's better than the. So we've jumped straight in the conspiracy corner. Well, have we? We have because I don't think that's right. Okay. For a few reasons. So to give you guys a bit of background, so monkeypox has become a worldwide phenomenon recently where most of us have never heard of it before. I'd never heard of monkeypox before the last few weeks. What's been around for like two, three weeks now. And essentially monkeypox has just started affecting people in countries all over the world. All at the same Gay time. guys from Spain. Yeah, that's an element to it, which, yeah, I'll, yeah, which yeah. I'll get to, right? Yeah. So, obviously, the news has been reporting it like, you know, this, is, this might be the next big thing. But a lot of them are saying, like, it's not going to be... It won't be a pandemic because it's not that contagious. Now, we one of the guys that we've been following the entire pandemic is Dr. John Campbell, mm-hmm. who had a uh, video about this the other day where he was going through some releases from the National Institutes of Health in America which was basically saying that monkeypox was being experimented on by them and the Wuhan Institute of Virology, also known as the birthplace of COVID-19, as of, I think, September last year. Mm. Now, I feel like, and this is where I'm going to go conspiratorial, stick your tinfoil hats on, everyone. I think that, look, that could be correct. Absolutely could be. I just don't think it's true. I think that monkeypox is a potential side effect from the vaccine rollout. And the reason why the NIH has gone, oh, yeah, no, we were just experimenting mm. on it. And, oh, yeah, like Wuhan Institute of Virology, yeah, they were doing experiments too. Uh, yeah, that's probably it. And when you also bring in the, the LGBTQI plus whatever community... Because a lot of, um, not so much in Australia, uh, maybe you've seen some, I haven't. No. But in the UK and the United States, a lot of the news reporting about it is about how it is transmitting primarily amongst gay men. Yeah. Which is interesting because it's also Pride Month. Yeah, it started, <laughs> uh, I believe the first cases in the West were in sp- like a Spanish gay bar. Yeah. yeah. So... So this it's, is... Uh, uh, look, I, I'm actually more on your page now because yeah. uh, it's the same pathway that is tried and true in the let's start with the gays. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, that's been done. That's yep. been done before. Also, using it during Pride Month when it is... It's, it's just like what we were talking about a few episodes ago when around Mother's Day. So blaming monkeypox on the gays during Pride Month is the best time for that to have the most explosive effect on yeah, the social... True, um, true. Okay, well, so <clears throat> let's let's put a marker on the next... Let's see what the next thing is mm-hmm. and see how it times with other... Yeah, because yeah. this but, is my other thing. Like, how long did it take before mainstream media or the NIH was reporting the Wuhan Institute... People didn't even know the Wuhan Institute of Virology even existed. And <clears throat> what makes me like your, uh, your theory is that they realised that they got away with mm-hmm. releasing COVID from that lab. Yep. And and ne- nothing's going to happen of it. They got yep. away with it. That's right. So and, we'd cop it again. And the biggest thing is, we've spoken about this before, it's lying 101. You admit to a small thing to cover up a bigger yeah. thing. 
the fact that they came straight out and was just like, oh, yes. It was the Wiv again. It was that bloody Wuhan Institute of Virology again. Yeah. Oh. Those rascals. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah. Will they ever learn? Yeah. The fact they came out straight away means, I believe, that they've just thrown out something that they know that red pillars like us will just latch on to mm. and go, oh, see, they fucking do it again. They're doing it again. Yeah. Because Man. let's be real. Let's be real. If that had happened, so, okay, even if, even if the Wuhan Institute didn't release it or they weren't even... So like maybe maybe it was brought up, but nothing was ever done with it. Mm. You you think the boss would be there? All right, guys, we are working on breakfast cereals, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just for a couple of years. Yeah, that's right. We're, we're going to study what Kellogg's Special yeah. K does. We need to make sure we that no cocoa pops end up at a wet market. Which just we're, down the road. We're just going to do. We, we we're going to do different water samples. We're going to just yeah. just cool our jets just until this blows over. Yeah. Instead, they're going to like, hey, what's next, man? Monkeypox? <laughs> yeah. Let's get all the monkeypox. That's right. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, I, I feel like it's got all the hallmarks of, of the perfect smoke screen. You use the... So, like, what's that old thing of... Um, it's not it's not really the, the right saying, but they've created an enemy which everyone can blame. It's like Russia, Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. Like, look at what's happening at the moment in the Western world when it comes to inflation. You listen to anything out of America at the moment, they're calling it Putin's price hike. Yeah. So all of a sudden, Putin and Russia, they're to blame for fucking everything, even though all this stuff was happening before yeah. they kicked off their invasion. Well, now the Wuhan Institute of Virology, they're the bad guy. So they're the ones that you can blame about any of this stuff as it comes up. Interesting. But what gets me about it, so you've got the hot button of the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which will satisfy the red pillars. You've got the hot button of blaming it on the gay dudes, which will blow up the leftist during pride month yeah and you got to think too worldwide we've had a massive shift towards the left side of politics I yeah, mean, yeah we yeah. just have in australia absolutely uh america has with the democrats being elected um there's another country too i think that anyway i'm pretty sure canada just re-elected should i yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> nuts captain blackface yeah um so you got that hot button topic like it's literally the perfect smokescreen and what gets me about it is you go why are there cases popping up all over the world if it's not that contagious and if it's from the gays? Surely not every single person who's got monkeypox went to that same Spanish sex party. And it goes that, off. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, it goes sounds off. like a cracker of a party. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it, you know, it just, it's just, it's too, it's too convenient for me. So I feel I think the like... club was called Ape Shit. <laughs> club Ape Shit? <laughs> nice. Yeah, look, it, it. I I think you've got a very interesting take on it, and it's. It was definitely too convenient to go and say, especially the way the way the NIH was so flippant about it. Yeah. They they literally uh, admitted that they doing gain of function research, which has been this whole this whole yeah thing. They've admitted that they did it for this thing. Yeah. But. We're not supposed to worry about it now. Oh, it's because you got away with it already. Yeah, You've got right. away with doing it the previous time, so they yeah. know they can get away with it's it. It's like they think they've got, like, it's like double jeopardy. Like, we can't be blamed for doing the same thing twice. Yeah, yeah, nah. Insert the same excuses we used last time, yeah. this time. Now, the other, the other theory potentially, too, which is what made me first start thinking about it being um, a vaccine adverse reaction and a cover-up for the vaccine adverse reactions, because that's what I feel the, the yeah. whole thing is. It's a cover-up for that. Um, could be dead wrong. Just a theory. Take your hats off. 
but the other thing too is that the NIH did say that they started doing these experiments in September last year, which again could be that they started to realise that there was vaccine adverse reactions happening. So then they were doing these experiments because the NIH's press release was about them testing, I can't remember what drug it was, but it was like trying to find treatments for it. Mm. And again, I just go, are they just pulling the exact same shit where they're creating a new, oh, we, so we've got monkeypox now. Oh, but the good news is that we've just come out with this great new drug, which we can use to treat monkeypox. It's only $700 a treatment, yeah, yeah, yeah. like Paxlovid. Well, no, I think they're using the smallpox vaccine as the, that's the fix, apparently, which is a... Oh, because that's what we do now. So we just take... We take vaccines that were for a different virus and we give them to everyone to stop them from getting a different virus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even though like they're similar, but they're different. Yeah. But it'll it'll help. Yeah. It'll definitely help. I mean, it's it's like obviously talking about COVID, we're only in the most deadly year of our pandemic in Australia, and we're just like keep fucking jabbing it up because some people are up to their fourth jabs now. I'll tell you what, I've got some anecdotal evidence just in my in my group mm-hmm. of some um the some of these flu and colds and things going around. Mm-hmm. And jabbed people don't seem to get over it. Yeah, I was literally having a conversation with a very good friend of mine yesterday. No, today, sorry. Who has... So they are jabbed. They got COVID early in the year and recovered okay. Mm. I think a couple of weeks probably to recover. But they've got something else this week. And they're like, literally, I, I've never felt this bad in my life. Mm. Had a five-day fever. Mm. Uh, got a COVID test, but wasn't COVID. Like, and we even got um, a notice from our daycare centre where they're like, everything's going around, and they have fact sheets for COVID nineteen, what to look out for, RSV, what to look out for, um, the flu, what to look out for, like all because the, they're like everyone's getting something. Yeah, and of school was one third of the students were gone for for like a week. They're all yeah. down. Yeah, and yeah, I I know someone that's had a like, he usually gets a cold. Mm-hmm. He gets it twice a year. He's got kids. Yep. Usually gets it twice a year. And he's he's like, but usually it's like five to seven days and it's done. Mm-hmm. He goes, this is four weeks and it's still not gone. And I'm yeah. still, he's getting aches in, in joints. and yep. Yeah. And this happened in America last year too, I remember, where, and it would have been around their winter time, where they had RSV just sweep the country. Like, and because RSV... Uh, yeah, I can't remember what it stands for, but it's basically like a cold, it's a respiratory type virus. Yeah. And was smashing kids, especially at schools. And what they blamed it on was obviously we everyone's had the same experience with like two years of being sanitized and away from each other. And everyone's saying that it's because they don't have any immunity. Yeah. Which I think is probably a big factor. Well, like, is that not what we, like, we said that last year. We're yeah. like, we knew that this thing was going to train your body to be so so specific in one area that you're not going to be able to have a strong immune response to other stuff? Well, there's been a lot of talk about that. There's been a lot of talk about how... So, I mean, look, when you just think of the mechanics of it, and this is something that you can go back and you can reference to, like, official sources, but they say that you're not classified as fully vaccinated until two weeks after your current Mm. dose, whether it's your second dose or your third dose or your fourth dose or whatever. Why is that? Because during that two-week period, your immune system's under so much pressure from the vaccine itself that you're more susceptible to get COVID. That would also mean that you're more susceptible to get anything else as well. Because you would know it too. If you're run down from something, you're more likely to get other sure. colds and flus at the same time, right? 
So when you think that we're taking our most vulnerable people and we're jabbing them every three months now, like, and there is data that is showing things like uh, people still having spike protein um, in their bodies eight months after getting vaccinated. Yep. Like there's a study out of Japan that showed that. So if we're jabbing people every three months, we're making sure that their immune system's constantly under pressure. Maybe it's not a coincidence that we're starting to propagate more of these other diseases. And obviously you can't blame the children for it because they're not, the children under five, one's at daycare, they're not vaccinated. Maybe some of the kids at schools are. So I don't, some I don't of, know what the numbers are off the top of my head. Some of them are, some of them aren't. But I can tell you that, again, this is anecdotally, all of the ones that have had it, if, like have, have reported that they've there was nothing. It was like, no, we just tested positive. Like I went like I went like that at home, and mum tested me, and I tested positive, so I just had to stay home for a week. And all the ones who had COVID, yeah. Or uh, sorry, I when you said had it, I thought you meant meaning the vaccine. Oh, that that yeah. I'm not sure what <laughs> right. um, what the split is. Look, I think it'd be pretty high, and like Brisbane's very like a very high cuck town. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd say it's high, but. Um, I'm not sure if that age group's even allowed to to get it. What's the age? Five to eleven year olds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, which yeah you would. But assume... again, if it like like it, if it reduced transmission, then yeah, it would make sense to give it to the kids. But it obviously doesn't because we're just about to cross over six. Uh, no, that's like seven and a half million cases. Yeah. So with a with a vax rate that's going up, and we've got a case rate that's going up at the same rate, like mm-hmm. let's now we knew we we're going to have a spike coming into winter. We know mm-hmm. that these respiratory things hit you in the cool weather, and yep. it has been very cold. Yeah, we had I know we had really really bad um, weather here for three four weeks, where yep. it just rained and that mold and that does stuff to your immune I system that's too. That's a factor too, for sure, for yep. sure. But um, even just like. We've even had conditions which are, are sort of similar to like seasonal affective disorder. Because what one of the things that I really, really wonder about COVID is how much of people's outcomes from COVID are based on their mentality when they actually get a positive diagnosis. Because in my opinion, the typical person who was running out to get vaccinated were the ones who had completely bought into the fear campaign around it, which mm-hmm. is why they got vaccinated so quickly. This is a generalisation. This may or may not be the case. I'm not talking about people who took it just because they had to for their jobs or anything like that. I'm saying the ones who were like lining up going, you know, why can't I have my third jab yet? Which is, I, and I <coughs> physically saw with my own eyes, yeah. heaps of that. That's right. So I wonder... Arguments with nurses, like why they can't go get it right now. Right. Even though they'd like, they already had two, they wanted the third. And they're like, they yeah, could, you're not... They could have had mine and given me that certificate. But those are the ones I, I just go, okay... So what happens in that person's brain when they get a positive diagnosis? And how much... Like, we know how much... If you, if you mentally feel good every single day, if you do get exposed to, like, a cold or flu, you kick it like that. But if you are fearful every single day, and then, like, you've, you've been so scared that you've run out, you're abusing nurses trying to get a third dose because you're so scared of COVID, and then you get a positive test, I think mentally they just crash. And their body crashes with them. I think there definitely is a... Jordan Peterson spoke about it. And he said, we will never Can know... his accent? Oh. <laughs> we'll never start. know what the, the total outcomes will be until we, until we get to the end we, and, and we accumulate all the other data that yeah. we need. Like, 
you know, we don't know what lockdowns did. We That's don't know right. what the economic ramifications... We don't know how many deaths have been attributed to economic yeah. issues. We don't know how many um, deaths are attributed to the stress of the media just blur- blurting it out there, having that yeah. red virus in the back. We're not counting any of that stuff. We're mm. counting this 8,722 number of Australian um, um, deaths. Yeah. But we do know that all-cause mortality has gone up and has been steadily increasing since October last year in Australia. And that's all causes. So, yeah, we've had a slight uptick in COVID deaths, but that doesn't account for all of the other reasons yeah. why all-cause mortality has increased as well. Which, again, like, it, it but, could but have nothing to do with the it, pandemic. It could have stuff. nothing to do with it, but I think you're right. I think there is definitely a generalised demographic of people mm-hmm. who lean on the jab as their health... That's right. So crutch. It's... Yeah, well, crutch it's is not even the right fix. word. It's, it's the band-aid. It's, 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 it's not the even fucking the diet the, shake. It's the be-all and end-all. They think that that's what they need to do to remain safe. And yeah, but, but again, like, I don't even think it's just that. Because you have to remember, like, they're the same people who are scared to be next to an unvaccinated person. So they clearly don't believe the product actually does anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're, like... And this... So this is what really, really concerns me about society is... So I'm... I, I'm starting to have some conversations with some of these people, which are so, I'm considering like breakthrough conversations now. Because, again, so we're, we're in year three now, and you have this conversation with them, and you go, guys, we're having the worst year so far of the pandemic. Cases are through the roof, and you can blame it on them opening up the country too soon if you want. That's perfectly fine. You can do that. Because, obviously, the more people circulating around, the more transmission you're going to get. Yep, fair enough. Mm. But... You got to remember, the whole fucking country is like ninety five percent double dose jabbed at that point. Mm. So, the jabs don't work. Yeah, they just don't. It, I'm sorry. What metric maybe, are they using to exactly, say that it does? Maybe they did off the first strain, which they were based off of. Yep. But they don't work. They yep. don't. And you cannot tell me that the jabs are working when we've had more deaths this year in the first five months of the year compared to every other year so far for the pandemic. Yeah. When Omicron by all accounts, is a more mild version of the illness. Yeah. Like, you cannot say that the vaccines work because yeah. they, they don't. So, at best, they do nothing. At worst... They do damage. They do damage. And, and all-cause mortality is the concern. That's right. When you look at all-cause mortality. Yeah, and the issue is too, and, like, the amount of research I've put into this, the, the mechanism around all of the different adverse events that people are experiencing makes perfect sense to me. And to explain it how I believe it's it's being attributed, because obviously it's not just myocarditis. It's like people are getting all sorts of adverse events. Yeah. And there is a there's pages and pages of potential right. adverse events, which Pfizer knew about, which yeah. the, the companies know about. And it all starts here for me. So with the way the vaccines were explained to us that they work is they were injected intramuscularly into your shoulder muscle and that was supposed to stay there. And it doesn't. And that's been proven. It doesn't just stay in your shoulder muscle. Yep. So what's then happening is the mRNA, which is encapsulated in a lipid nanoparticle. So lipid's like a fatty nanoparticle because the mRNA, it it's pretty, um, what's it called? Unstable. So it'll degrade very quickly mm. in your body without something to protect it. So covering this like liquid, uh, lipid nanoparticle. And what they're showing is that that is moving around people's bodies. Now, How does the mRNA technology work? Well, when it comes into contact with your cells, it inserts itself into your cell and it basically programs that cell to be able to produce spike protein. 
When that cell produces spike protein, your immune system recognizes spike protein as uh, a foreign agent or whatever, and it attacks it. And then the idea is that then your body will recognize the spike protein when it comes into contact with it in the wild and it'll have an immune response. That was the idea around mm. it. But think about it this way. You are literally instructing your body's own cells to create spike protein. There is no known time frame that these cells stop producing. And really, the cells stopping producing would all come down to when your body removes those cells itself. Yeah. So... And I, I saw um, there was a Senate estimates hearing where Jared Rennick, Senator Jared Rennick, who's, he's the man when it comes yeah, to this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's been going ham. Was grilling John Skerritt, uh, the head of the TGA, about this exact thing. Yeah. And Rennick asked me, goes, um, how long are, you, are the cells producing the spike protein? And Skerritt does what all of these wankers do and tries to use techno, uh, techno, uh, technical language to move the point to something else. So he just goes, oh, well, the mRNA is really unstable and it breaks down within 24 to 48 hours. That wasn't the question. The question was, how long are these cells producing spike protein? Yeah. Like, the mRNA is gone. It's yeah. fine. But it's already reprogrammed that cell to produce spike protein. Like we said, there's that study out of Japan that showed that some, cell, some people were still having free-floating spike protein in their bodies eight months after being jabbed. So when you consider this, let's... So imagine that you've been injected... It is potluck where that mRNA is able to travel to in your body. Mm -hmm. So it might be your heart, it might be your lungs, it might be your brain, it might be your ovaries, right? It's potluck. And then when it gets there, it inserts itself into your DNA, or into your cells, sorry, and your cells start producing spike protein. So your body's immune system then attacks the spike protein because it's a foreign agent, and then it goes, oh, where is this coming from? Look at these rogue cells that are producing spike protein. So it attacks your own body's cells. Yeah. So what I believe we are seeing with these adverse events is not only cytotoxic damage from the spike protein itself that your body is producing because it has been shown to be cytotoxic, but autoimmune issues when your immune system is attacking your own body's cells in wherever the mRNA has landed in your body. It makes sense. I mean, unfortunately, that's it, it, it's it's what it's what a lot of red pill guys was have been saying and they weren't allowed to say and yeah. and you know the problem of not being able to talk about it is if there was a conversation, a mm. real conversation about it, then people would be more um, open to the idea that maybe it isn't working and yep. we could have like actually have a discussion about it that's right because i'm still amazed that you could talk to someone that's had horrible covid outcomes yeah fully vaccinated and then you yeah. go so your vaccine didn't do anything and they're like oh no it'd be much worse if i it did. i wish i could sell i wish i could else. sell a product yeah i wish i could sell a product where no matter what the outcome was including death mm-hmm. no matter what the outcome was thumbs up that's right. I wish I could do that. That's right. It's yeah. It and look, maybe I'll just w- pull the world tracker up. Um, yeah, <clears throat> and they've got some new deaths, and they're highlighted in red because uh-huh. most of them are actually zero. But the the outliers, so the ones that have a, a big kick, South Korea nine, Japan. So sorry, what are these deaths? Deaths, COVID deaths. 
So when you're saying outliers and you said nine, was it just nine deaths? Or? Nine deaths. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Japan, 35. Australia, 60. Thailand, 30. And what are these numbers? Are these daily numbers? This or? is a daily number. Okay. This yep. is a daily number. Uh, so sorry, uh, I kept interrupting. Go to those countries again. South so, Korea. South Korea, nine. Extremely highly vaccinated. Uh, yeah, on 35,000 cases. Japan, 35 deaths on 32,000 cases. Okay. Australia, 60. We haven't listed how many cases. Because we've got fucking heaps of them. Yeah. Thailand, 30 on 3,000 cases. Wow, okay. That could be a healthcare issue as well. Could be. DPRK. Korea. No, is that North Korea? One. Mm. Uh, Taiwan. Sorry, isn't that the Democratic People's Republic of Korea? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. DPRK? Yeah. Uh, Taiwan, 152. You mean, you mean China? No. John Cena. <laughs> New Zealand, nine. Mm-hmm. And they're the only ones. Now, the one that I wanted to check was Gibraltar. Gibraltar, Gibraltar, Gibraltar. This is the one I like to look at. And so Gibraltar is like the most highly slash over-vaccinated country on the planet. They were the first one to reach a over 100% vaccination rate because not only did every single citizen of the country get vaccinated, but the government was actually paying for foreign nationals who were working in the country to get vaccinated too. So they're a very interesting test case. Yes. so I just had it, 170. Here we go. Okay, so if I can get the other stuff up here. Uh, Total deaths. So they've had 102 deaths, but their... Their population is like 40,000 people, isn't it? Yeah, so their deaths... Okay, so that All right, so would this... It, is it fair to say that deaths per hundred... Uh, per million people... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is the correct... Is a great one to go off? Yep. Um, okay, before I read you that number, what's another country that we should compare it to? Well, compare it to Australia. Okay. So they're 3,000 deaths per million. 3,029. Right. Okay, so let's go to Australia. Australia... Deaths per 1 million, 335. Wow. 10 times more. Yeah. 10 times more as a... And, and they are... Um, I mean, you could pull it up on your phone to see what their, their vax is. They're, they're like... They're, they're, like I said, they're over 100% because the entire population's vaccinated and they the government... Vac- it was mandatory if you were a foreign national working there that you had to be vaccinated too and the government paid for it. So I remember when they first hit the stats, they were at like 140% double-dose vaccinated because it was the foreign nationals they'd vaccinated too. See, I'll do... I'll, I'll, like, I've ordered it in the deaths per million. The worst is Peru, which is interesting given we thought that they were a ivermectin country. Mm. Uh, Bulgaria, Bosnia, Hungary, uh, North Macedonia, Montenegro, Georgia, Croatia, Chechia... Chech- Chechnya? Chech- no, Chechia... Slovakia, Romania, Lithuania. Man, don't have ear. Don't finish in ear. Well, the thing the thing that stands out to me at the, at the beginning is I look and I go, what's the medical system like in... USA, 3,087. Yeah, deaths per million. So, okay, where's the U- UK then? See, USA, I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually look at too hard because they're not a, they're not the most highly vaccinated because they're a state-by-state state thing. If you're a blue state, True. you're highly vaccinated. If you're a red state, you're yeah. not. I think the overall numbers in the U- the US is only like fifty or sixty percent of people are at least a two dose vaccinated. Like it's actually 
a little bit low when you base it off the whole country. Vatican City's going all right. No deaths. Oh, really? Well, yeah. they got God on their side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nauru? Mm. None. Nauru. Yeah. No, also, no reporting, probably. No, there's 1,187 uh, 1, cases reported. Yeah, right. No deaths? Uh, Western what, Sah- what's Nauru's vaccination rate? Western, Western Sahara. Uh, actually, the DPRK is doing pretty good. Apparently, yeah. if you ask them. No, but it, it look at the end of the day, we can we can break down the number as much as you want. But the reality is, the vaccine's not doing anything yeah, show- to prevent transmission or bad outcomes. I, it's just not- I just want someone to show me some data that says that it works because I can't. But because the only data they show you is they go, so these are the amount of cases and deaths we've had, and these are the amount of cases and deaths that our computer modelling shows we would have had if we didn't do the vaccination program. Okay, it's funny you say the modelling thing because I was listening to a podcast that was about financial markets. Mm-hmm. I think I've listened to the same thing. I can't, oh, and it was about how... It was modelling for the climate catastrophe it. and its effect on economic markets. And what was... I think this was... Was this the guy... Was this the head of HSBC Bank? Yes. Where, I love that guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so he was, he was talking about it and he thought it was behind the scenes, not being recorded. So he's talking about it quite flippantly. And basically... The way that they are trying to push this green revolution and based on climate change is through these economic models. The exact same push that we got with the COVID shit. Like, we received all these fucking models during Anastasia the pandemic. Anastasia Palaszczuk's Twitter account talked yeah. about how they'd, they'd, we, had, we thought we were going to have 440,000 deaths mm. and we've only had 400. Look how good we've done. Yeah, that's right. Your model sucks. That's right. Either your, mod, like your model's just either wrong or you're just a fucking liar. Yeah. But it's, it's the, probably the second one. But what... What this um, this head of the HSBC bank was saying was that when you when you look at these financial models, how they're like, oh, this is what the climate crisis is going to cost, and like there's going to be a massive catastrophic effect on the economies, and that's going to cause this amount of deaths because obviously when the economy's not going good, then the poor people die. Blah 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 blah. What they don't show you is when you actually read through how the model is created, they also factor in a massive increase to the interest rates, and like. To like a reserve rate of like twenty percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now our reserve rate's what at the moment? Like, is it one percent now? Uh, not, uh, not even. I think it's a point seven five. Okay, it's some somewhere around one yeah. percent. Anyway, so in other words, twenty times higher. Yeah. Is factored into the fucking climate catastrophe models. Yeah. To get the outcome that they need to then try to push through all of this green investment in renewables and etc. And we let's be let's be honest. Ninety nine point nine percent of the population only hears the. The highlight. That's right. Absolutely. And that's why we've had this massive push towards the Greens, for example. Yeah. So the Greens was one of the people that I thought might have it in for me. If it wasn't Mother Nature, I reckon it's the Greens yeah. have um, animal animatronic drones that they're attacking <laughs> with. Yeah. Obviously, the ticks are fucking tracking devices. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I often go out of reception at work. Yeah, that, and it's a 5G phone. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I thought maybe as well, like, maybe they have turned the 5G on. <laughs> and that's why the fucking animals are going crazy yeah. and attacking people, trying to rip out eyes at the servo. Um, but that's the thing. So, and an interesting point on this, I actually saw something today or yesterday about how, so now the Labor government's in, which is obviously very pro-renewables and green energy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it's kind of, maybe it's that theory that you've had a, a million times before that you've shared on the podcast, how like when people are running for election and they go, yeah, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do all the right things and it's going to be great. 
vote for me. And then they get him, and then the guy from the back room comes out and puts the fucking uh, the book on the desk. The goes, dossier. Yeah, uh, this is how the world really works. And then they read it, and they go, oh, fuck, we can't do any of those things. Yeah. And then everything changes. Well, Which is what they've done with the minimum wage. With Well, kind of with minimum wage, uh, but also the key one that I was going to talk about was them supporting increasing uh, energy production from coal-fired power stations. Oh, I haven't heard this. So I think I only saw this today. So Labor, because, we're again, we are having energy issues. Yeah. And one of the... How many times we mentioned even before this stuff about the, the main cost of business in Australia is energy costs, right? Whether that's fuel or electricity... Energy is one of the main drivers of inflation at the moment because everything is being affected by it. So Labor, which is was was greens powered in the past, are now looking at increasing energy production from coal-fired power stations because of the energy crisis we're in, yeah. which I think is the sensible thing to do. I'm happy to see them doing that. It's just not what their voters would have been expecting them to do when they voted into government. Look, for sure, for sure. <clears throat> Something I will say about... Like, I, I want to talk about my first couple of weeks under a Labor government. Mm-hmm. I can't remember... the fi- Who's the finance minister for Labor? Damn. That He's been going on ABC News regularly. Okay. And I like him. Okay. He seems very genuine, very authentic, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to, like, when Frydenberg went up what there. What colour is he? White man. White man, okay, cool. He... Frydenberg would always try and spin it and just trying to go to it and then they just stop coming on ABC. Yeah. Right? But this guy was like, no, look, um, we, we've inherited this, so we need to do this, this, and this. And yes, this part's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. And everything kind of makes sense the mm-hmm. way he says it makes sense. And it, and I felt comfortable yeah. with him at the at the wheel. Yeah. You know? So that 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 was something I... That's something I have something, liked. Something for me that I feel like is going to be a really refreshing difference at the moment, and this is a probably, a, I don't know if everyone feels the same way, but like Scott Morrison was often joked about called Scotty for marketing mm. because he's just a salesman. Yep. And he's very intelligent, but he's a slimeball salesperson. Everything was a sales pitch. Yep. And I feel like Frydenberg was put in a position where he was being told to do the same thing. Because I feel like they'd be sitting there going, okay, well, Frydenberg's going to be appearing on the Today Show and ScoMo's giving him word tracks, right? Like you would in a sales like sales manager to salesperson sure. relationship. ScoMo's giving him the word tracks that he wants Frydenberg to go. Yeah. And oh, and when they bring this up, will you attack Labor for that? And right, yeah, It's like yeah, a real yeah. sales spinny sort of thing. And I just don't feel like we're going to be copping that from Albanese and mm. whoever that... Because I can't remember his name, but I, I remember listening to that new... Um, treasurer speak and i've had the same feeling as yeah, you. yeah yeah so i think that, will that be should refreshing. be refreshing and yeah. the fact that he's on abc talking about it like the pu- it was it not crazy to think that you've got a public broadcaster yeah that the politicians that never went on that's right yeah it's crazy but it kind of ties in i listened to this amazing podcast today it's another pbd podcast mm-hmm. one uh the father of quantitative easing oh, richard Werner. were you super interesting the thing i liked about it and this is something i've been whinging about under uh, under the liberals mm-hmm. for years, and I thought it was me being petty and only trying to look after myself. Mm-hmm. But he kind of nailed it for me, which was when banks. So the creation of money is through loans. Once you once a bank loans money, that's how money's created. Okay. So sorry, can you actually just slow down and explain that for people? Because I found that point yeah, yeah, really yeah. interesting. Okay. Um, so 
in this podcast, what he discusses is people think that money is created by governments and that governments just print money and that's how more currency becomes available in a market. But what this guy was talking about and his what's his background again? He Have you heard his name there? Can you his name is that? Richard Werner. Richard Werner. So what he was explaining was that the way that money is actually created and injected into the economy is actually by banks loaning money. And this actually makes a lot of sense because... Banks are told that they have to have minimum capital requirements, depending on the country. I think in Australia, it's like it was like 10% or something. And they, when the Banking Royal Commission came through, they put it up. So what that means... No, mean, I don't think it's... He said it was none. No, not in Australia. In the UK, it's none. Yeah. Um, but they didn't specifically mention Australia. But because I, I remember this when the Royal Commission came through, that they actually increased the capital requirements of the lenders... Um, and so essentially this is what happens, right? So let's say that you're a bank and you're, you're lending people money to buy houses or businesses or whatever the case may be. And he primarily talks about buying properties. The banks are actually lending out more money than they have in, in hand. No, let me, let me explain it. Okay. Because the step before that. So the way a traditional bank used to work is you deposited cash. Mm -hmm. The people would deposit cash into a bank. The, the bank would pay, let's say, 3% um, interest on, on your... In, on the deposits. On the deposits. Yep. And then what you could do is you could then loan that money out for 6% so the bank can make 3%. Yep. That was the old school way. That was back when we had the gold standard where every dollar was backed by a, a, a physical piece of gold. Yep. Then we moved to a place where uh, uh, a move to create more... Oh, the problem with that is that it's... Uh, it's deflationary. Yeah. No one wants to spend it. The mm -hmm. velocity of the money slows. That's right. And therefore, your economy doesn't move. So the way to ramp the economy up is to have more money. Yep. So they changed it so that for every dollar that was put in, the bank could multi uh, could could loan out a multiple of that dollar. That's right. And in some cases, it's like nine times or ninety times. Mm -hmm. So for if you put a dollar into the bank. That bank goes, sweet, I'll now loan it out 10 times yeah. at an interest rate, and they've effectively created money. Yeah, because the idea from the bank's perspective is they'll always have enough income coming in from those loans that if someone comes in and goes, I want to withdraw my money now, they can take that money in the pool of resources and give it to that yeah, one Yeah, which is a Ponzi scheme. Because not everyone's going to do it at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it's called a bank run. It's 100% yeah. a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. So now, what, what the liberals have done over all this time, is allowed ridiculous amount of money creation through property. That's right. I've been whinging about it for ages. Yeah. Why is it so easy to get a home loan and so hard to get a business loan? Mm -hmm. And that's what, what, what this guy was saying, is that countries that have done it well have lots of smaller banks mm -hmm. that loan to, to businesses because businesses get a return that's right. Whereas if on a on a uh, home loan you don't necessarily get a return, you've purchased an asset. But yeah. if you're if you're funding the creation of business, you are getting income, you're getting expansion, you're getting a, a proper economic expansion. Yeah. So and just what, just sorry, just to explain that a bit better for people too. What the issue is is that if you are only primarily funding so so remember with funding, every time you fund someone you're creating that money, right? You're, you're creating money out of nothing and putting it into the economy. So when you're only funding for assets like properties, 
What's that doing? That is just increasing the, the cost of properties. That's all it's doing. Yeah, and it does nothing to the economy. That's right. Whereas if you are if you are funding a business, what does that do? The business grows. They can employ more people. Yep. It has a positive, like it actually puts money into the economy, which starts increases the certain. velocity of that money. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. So that that now I had always thought because uh, uh, sorry, since I've had my business, mm-hmm. the banks have given me nothing. Yeah. Even when this COVID support thing came through, Lib said that they're going to do 50% bank, uh, um, back loans and they had a list of the banks. I went to the bank. They did not even let me go to an application state. Just said, no, yeah. we're not doing them. We're yeah. not doing them. We're not doing them. So you and, cannot- they, and they literally said that to you. I remember you saying that because not, they didn't just say, we are not lending you money, sir. Yeah. They literally said, we're not doing those loans. Yeah. yeah. But if you wanted to go and refinance your home loan or buy a house, mm-hmm. step this way, grab a seat, yeah. you know, and... I've always, since that moment, I'm like, that's crazy to think that, like, it, the faster you can transact that money, the faster the velocity, the higher the velocity of that, that money, the better for the economy it is. Because mm-hmm. if you can, if, if, if they loan me the money, I buy more cars from more people. Now I need more me's to sell those cars. So mm-hmm. I employ more me's. They pay tax. Yep. I pay tax. Yep. The, they earn money, which they then go and spend on goods and services elsewhere, yep. which puts that money into other people's pockets. And, and something they said, improve their businesses and everything grows. Whereas all the libs did here was pump property price. Yep. And he gave money to these big dudes, all, like all the big end of town, yep. which he illustrated. Through the JobKeeper program. He talked about how the, um, the employment numbers of... Um, like who employs the most people mm-hmm. is small business. That's right. Small business ha- it has the majority. Although you look at this big company and you go, oh, they've got 4,000 employees. Mm-hmm. The, well, the, all the businesses that are attached to them have far more than 4,000 employees. Right. And it was nice to get some uh, someone sort of quantifying what I mm-hmm. my experience. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And I'm hoping now that labor, I mean, by rights, shouldn't, they do that shouldn't they be like shouldn't they they talk about um um being sort of anti-big multinationals Mm -hmm. well then can they kick something our way can they make it a bit easier for the small business people and look i i hope that that's the case i really do and i don't want to sound i don't want to sound like i'm just looking at it for me right yeah but i know the benefits to everyone yeah yeah when, when you do it exactly and like the thing is i don't think you're not being selfish by because you'd be saying the same thing if you're still working at a dealership. Yeah, right? for sure. Because at the end of the day, like you said, what you said is correct. The and the politicians have spoken about it forever. Small business is the lifeblood of this country, always has been, yeah. and always should be. Now, there's been a lot of moves made in the last few years, which is making yep. it fucking hard for that to be the case. But we can recover from this with the right policies. Sure. If you have more support in the small business sector, it it has a deflationary effect because what we're experiencing at the moment obviously there's a lot of factors that are that are causing inflation at the moment one key factor is lack of competition so if you had on every fucking corner next to woolies and coles a greengrocers a butchers like a community based thing and yet people had more options there is yeah, more pressure right. on woolies and coles to decrease their prices when unfortunately a lot of those businesses went bust over the last two or three years well, now there's no pressure on the big boys. So that's why the cost of everything's also gone up. It's another factor. It's not everything, but it is another yeah. factor. And if you have more support for small business, 
number one, people can actually get out of that dead shit job and go and start their own small business and do what you've done yeah. and live your dream and enjoy life and make good money at the same time. Yeah. It does put more money in the economy. It gives people more options. It's better for society to do that. Oh, but, totally. Like, because look at, like we've spoken about before, what happened with JobKeeper? Like, those stories that you heard. I can't remember, I can't remember if it was like Nick Scarley or, again, I don't want to be, well, get the Harvey Norman was the big one. Yeah, I know, but there was one really egregious one and I don't want to get the company wrong and be, you know, liberalist or anything. Yeah. But there was a really big one where... If I remember it correctly, they got somewhere in the vicinity, I think it was like they got $3 million in JobKeeper funding from the government, and then the company itself paid out a dividend payment to its shareholders, totaling $3 million in the same year, and the like the owner of the company had 60 to 65% of the shares, so in other words, he pocketed $2 million with the JobKeeper yeah, yeah. money. So there was a green I'm sure that shit was like that. that stuff that happened. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And so that is that is the the hope that hopefully Labor does do what they've said they would do for a long period of time. Stop putting money in the pockets of their big business mates and start. Putting I can't money believe in the grassroots. I'd, I'd had a conversation with someone about the JobKeeper, um, the payment, and I think I, I'd even had the argument with you. You you thought the older company should have to pay the money back, and I was like, no, they shouldn't because. They that they played amongst like on the rules and mm. they play by the rules. The rules are created. Yeah, they yeah. play by the rules. But it's mental to think that a car dealer could have entered two different lines into that policy to make it like, hey, if your uh, if your taxable income increased by anything mm-hmm. by more than one point one percent, yeah, then you know you have to. We have the ability to claw it back or you know put some provisions in there to mm. say like. Yes, I know we had to get it out fast. Yeah. But I feel like it could have been 20 more minutes with sitting with the lawyers to go, hey, guys, this let's not get rorted by this. Yeah. So it's almost as if they... And, and it doesn't seem unreasonable to think that it was on purposely rorted. It was a great way to... 100%. And, and I was having a conversation during the week where I'm like, the thing that I've come to realise, and it's not liberal, it's not labour... It's, it's people. It's, a, it's the it's human people. condition. And it's the fact that government itself is a fucking rort. Yeah. The whole thing's rort. Like, um, there's heaps of roadworks at the moment up on Tambury Mountain. Heaps of them. And I was, I was sitting with one of the boys, we were driving the ute the other day, and we kept getting stuck in these fucking roadworks, which, number one, very big cost of productivity, which my boss will be listening to this uh, yeah. quite rightfully knows and is upset about. Uh but anyway, we're sitting there in these roadworks, and then as you drive through them, and we look around, and we're like, look, there's eight dudes standing there while one person's doing something. And he's a bit younger, and I was saying, this is the problem with the public service. The public service, there, if this was a business trying to repair this patch of road and sell it for a profit, there would be one bloke there doing the work, one person supervising to make sure they don't fuck themselves over, and the other six people would be unemployed. Mm. That's how a private business would do it. And this has always been the problem with government and public sector work is that they aren't they aren't a business trying to stay on their own two feet and balance the books economically because there's this taxpayer paycheck yeah, that just keeps coming in. Unlimited checkbook. That's right. So, and then you go, okay, like, and this, I think we've had this conversation recently where in your mind, you've just thought this has been, been incompetence forever. 
Whereas now I've sort of come around to the fact that I, don't, I think it's willful incompetence because it is a rort and it puts money in people's pockets. And if you're in the position where you get to control the decisions that are made for all of these different public sector things, where you're funneling taxpayer money into whatever you want, it's so easy to rort. It's so yeah, easy. Yeah, well, I've... I would say before I've said it's incompetence, I would always have said that people are as loyal as their options. And when their options, mm. their option is to rot a system, they will rot it because yeah. that's what the human condition yeah. does. And unfortunately, our system is not robust enough to yeah. um, And the, con- the concern on that rotting front that I do have with the Labor government is the amount of power the unions have over them. And there may be some systemic rotting that comes or that gets thrown, chuck the union. There's through. definitely going to be rotting, 100%. Of course. But, but it's about... Who- again, it's about, yeah... Overall, is the corruption going up or down under a Labor government? We hope that it will go down. Yeah, yeah and it'll we'll be see. interesting to see. Now, what will be interesting is whether or not they actually do come to the party with their federal ICAC like they promised in the election, like the Libs promised before last election, which <laughs> never materialised. Not going to happen. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, can, can I go to some good news? Yeah. So one of the... Uh, if you've made it this long, thank you. Yeah, so let's, let's give you some good news. Maybe I should cut this up as a clip just to throw it out yeah. there, just in case the, the people who don't hang around. But uh, the World Economic Forum had their meeting in Davos uh, last week. Mm-hmm. and also- Nice of them to use a really rich place to meet up to fly their private jets to, as opposed to, like, if they want to benefit the world you'd think yeah. they'd go to somewhere like rwanda or yeah you know, no, but, somalia but you go to one of the richest places in the world where you're all flying on your private jets where you talk about climate change and how everyone needs to use less carbon and eat bugs for yeah. the benefit of the world anyway at the same time there was also the i can't remember what the actual it's called the world health assembly i think no, is what no, it's called I don't know this one. right so this is the meeting that was occurring where all the major leaders of the members of the World Health Organization, the member countries, the nation heads were going to, to vote on the amendments to the international oh, health right. regulations. So what what was being thrown out, what or thrown up as an option, was that they wanted to change the international health regulations to literally state that for every member country the World Health Organization could declare a pandemic. So sort of like Victoria. They can declare a pandemic whenever they want. Yep. And then they would be given absolute power over every member country when when it comes to the response. The pandemic to, response. The yeah. pandemic response. And their pandemic rules, their, reg, their regulations include mandatory vaccination, lockdowns, the works. So one of the things that we mentioned in the lead up to the election was that both the heads of the major parties, both Libs and Labor, said, or at least indicated, that they were going to be signing us up for that program. And they did. Really? The Labor government voted for it, right? Albanese voted for it. The US voted for it. The UK voted for it. Everyone who is part of the Western world's COVID pandemic fuckery... Yeah. They're all for it. Yeah, they're all for it. However... It required unanimous consent from all the member nations. And thanks to our African brothers, there was like 48 different countries in Africa that told them to go fuck themselves. Brazil... (laughs) Bolsonaro from Brazil, the Brazilian president, said, if you guys pull the shit, we're out of the World Health Organization. Like, we're leaving. Really? Yeah. So it was the African nations which went... Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the African nations were the ones with the best results there, too. Like in well, that, in that, um, yeah, yeah, 
Now, look, there's a lot of factors around that too. Usually it's uh, lower median age in the population because obviously young people handle COVID better. It's a bit hard to get a jab in your arm when you've got no arm. (laughs) Yeah, was that too. Um, But yeah, so thankfully, even though our own country tried to sell us out to the World Health Organization, uh, they were thwarted in their attempts by by the Africans. Thank you, Africa. Yeah, thank you, Africa. They cleared the veins down in Africa. <laughs> well, don't you find it funny how as soon as that happens, well, now we're talking monkeypox, and they're like, oh, you can get monkeypox in Africa. And on that note, that's the good news. Thanks very much for joining us, guys. We'll see you next RDO. Bye.